This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Sean Haney, founder and COO at SingleWire. Everything we're doing with our tools, we're enabling developers to do. So like, we don't claim that we're gonna have the best ideas around the best way, but we know that the world's changing. And the current video and audio products that we're left to collaborate with are soul-sucking. And what we hope to do is enable the next developers, the next product builders. Hey, you don't have to worry about the technology on the audio video side. SignalWire has that taken care of. I have to just think about interface, how creatively interact with people using this new technology and and make something more, more human than the current options. This is Sean. He's an experienced entrepreneur and product marketing and product management startup executive with extensive expertise in SaaS, network security, communication, and voice over IP. He has over 18 years of startup experience as a serial entrepreneur. In the early 2000s, Sean formed and built Periscan, a pioneer SaaS managed security software company specializing in Visa and MasterCard PCI compliance. The company got acquired by Catbird Networks in 2006. Sean also led, developed, launched, and marketed new products at Barracuda Networks to over 300 million in revenue and an IPO. In December 2017, he co-founded SingleWire, where he drives strategy and business around the SingleWire products and services, as well as the free switch open source project. SingleWire has, in the meantime, become the technology backbone of modern communication applications like Amazon, Netflix, and Zoom. And their mission is a simple one to empower you to build whatever you can imagine utilizing software-defined telecom capabilities. SingleWire wants its customers to do one thing, to focus on their ideas instead of worrying about developing, scaling, maintaining, and of course, overpaying for complex communication technology and services. And this inspired me. And hence I invited Sean to my podcast. We explore what is broken in the technology industry and what has kept it behind for so long. We also discussed why the video communication tools that we've become so used to, like Zoom and Teams, are very degrading, demoralizing, or even soul-sucking. Sean elaborates on what can be, and that it's up to our own imagination to create the experiences we hope for. He also talks about how they are growing a global community of developers from the grassroots up to enable this. 
and he finishes with sharing his beliefs about what it takes to build a software business that people keep talking about. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, that business resilience can be hidden in simple things, like productizing elements that underpin the power of your own infrastructure. Secondly, that to build virtual experiences people keep talking about is about understanding the essence of what people truly value from the non-virtual experiences. Thirdly, how giving away some of your product can help you build a vending machine for growth and at the same time give you the platform for true leverage. And fourthly, why it is key to break away from the pack, i.e. have an X-Factor, and how that can be achieved with very simple but very lucrative ideas. Well, hi, Sean. Thank you for being a guest today on my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I mean, I got introduced to you through someone else who mentioned like what you were doing at SignalWire, that you, that you founded the company about well, a good three years ago. And yeah, when I started to look into your website, there was a click and I got intrigued with what you're doing and how you're transformative in the space that you're in. So we're going to dig into that a little in a while. Before we start, if you've been listening to my podcast, you've, you've heard a question before, a little bit about you. So if you have to describe yourself or what characterizes you as a person or as an entrepreneur, what words would you use? X-factor, probably. X-factor. Love that. There's not a lot of them that mention this. So, well, tell me more about X-factor. Then, then we kind of make the jump to the company. Like, I'm not an MBA. I'm an entrepreneur since my young teenage years started a, ser- a series of technology companies. And if I try to encapsulate what's given me any advantage or any lean towards success, it's, it's been the ability to be dynamic and creative and do the unexpected or pursue the unexpected. So I, I think X factor is really kind of something that sums up my specific skill set. Do the unexpected. If you've been looking into my profile and you've seen the, the book that I've been writing in 2019, which actually got launched in about, about a year ago, The Remarkable Effect, it's one of the traits that actually has achieved its own chapter. It's a chapter number nine. Remarkable software companies master the art of surprise and hit the right nerve. So really eager to, to hear a couple of examples of that later on in the podcast. So sure. talking about the company that you founded, SignalWire, what is the big idea behind it? What does it do? But what is the problem it's solving? Yeah, SignalWire started before the company existed. It, it's rooted in a software project that's open source. So an open source software project that end up becoming the de facto standard in the enterprise telecommunications world. So you know, about 15 years ago, my partner, Tony Minasali and a group of guys started writing this software called FreeSwitch. Yeah, and the right. concept of FreeSwitch was that it put the power of telecommunications into software developer hands. And it meant that now you could write telecommunications programs without buying $100,000 meta switches or these proprietary objects that were cost prohibitive and really kind of kept software out of telecom for a long time. And so Tony and folks built FreeSwitch. Over 15 years, it became the software foundation for modern telecommunications. Just about every phone carrier and software company ends up using it in some regard. And quite a large community of software developers that are building products around it. And 
Tony and, and folks had been supporting that for quite a while, but had interesting visibility into you know the future of telecommunications. They were seeing the requests and product direction of pretty much the upper echelon of telecommunications, and they were asking for the support to enable these things. And so the decision was made a few years ago is to, hey, the next generation of this technology, rather than delivering it on an open source model, where we just consult for the business, we're actually going to deliver it on a software as a service platform, as, a, as an infrastructure in the cloud. And by doing that, we can do something similar to what FreeSwitch enabled 15 years ago, which was getting the telecom power into more people's hands. And so in the FreeSwitch world, you have to be a developer and a, a very good one to do anything with it and have you know quite a, a team to really build a product. In the SigmaWire world, we're enabling people and enterprises of all skill sets to build rapidly build telecommunications applications. Let me make a small interruption here. Sean just explained the essence of what sets SingleWire apart. Their decision that their role was to democratize telecom innovation by building a software-defined telecom platform and with that helping people and enterprises of any skill set to build the applications and experiences they aspire to. They realized that just the fact the telecom industry has always been dominated and protected by the giants isn't what needs to be for the future, and then acted on that. That's a trait remarkable software companies master. They aim to be different, not just better, and secondly, create new value capabilities rather than improving traditional ones. You can master these traits as well. I've got two options for you to start. Firstly, read or listen to my book The Remarkable Effect. You can find that on Amazon.com. And secondly, get into action right away and surround yourself by a group of like-minded people, tech founders and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots, explore new paths and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com and see the videos where many of your peers share their experiences with our tribe and what they've come to experience and value most. Back to the interview. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that removes the dependency from a scarce resource, I would say. So what is the opportunity if you get this right? Like, what have you seen as, the, as a consequence of that, that single decision there on the industry or well, on, on the customers that you have? I think there's a, we're sitting in the movement, in the middle of a, a major technology transition. You know, we've, we've seen a number of these over the years in different ways. The movement to the cloud was one, you know, it, at some point in technology, you had your own servers and your servers were in your building and then... The internet got faster and then everything moved to the cloud and now everything's software as a service and kind of the natural progression of the internet. One of the big pieces that has yet to move to the cloud or is in transition to the cloud right now is telecommunications. You know, there are still bunkers and buildings with bricks with physical switches and copper wires and you can still kind of get a phone line with copper and this is still a part of the world as we know it and this is in rapid transition. And, you know, we're sitting in the spot with the software that basically can eat all of the need for that transition. So we're, we're reaffirmed you know, regularly that we're making the right decision. And the largest of product companies that you've heard of come to us for technology and technology ideas, even to the level where we've, we've had to separate our relations since our SaaS ultimately is going to compete with a lot of them. Okay. So can you give examples of things that weren't possible, for example, three, four years ago and that are possible today? Yeah, so with SignalWire, you could do something like, you know, we have a kind of bleeding edge audio and video muxing capabilities is one of the things we're kind of right on the bleeding edge for. 
And so we can take, in our world, we can take 100 video participants, stick them on screen at the same time, and everyone have full audio fidelity, be able to talk and hear everyone at the same time and see everyone on screen at the same time in full frame rate. And actually, it ends up making for net positive experience. That's a piece of you know what this cloud technology we can deliver is. There's a history here I can take you through, but the first thing we built on was the cloud infrastructure that enabled basic communication services. And we did yeah. that and we, we started competing with Twilio and taking Twilio customers. But that's not what we wanted to do. We didn't want to send SMSs as a business. And you know, here we are building kind of the next generation software for voice and video and COVID hits. And we're, yeah. you know, we're a Sandhill Road, Silicon Valley company, but fully distributed. And we built our own tools to enable our fully distributed environment. It happened to include things like always on video. We're going to work at SignalWire is actually logging in and you're on video. And video rooms and all these different concepts, these social concepts that we experimented with over the last three years ended up being an internal tool enabled by our software. And we didn't sell it, but when COVID hit, our customers were like, hey, how do we use, how do we use this thing that we're using with you? And so we ended up productizing a couple of lines of products that are kind of examples of what our technology could enable. We have a product line called SignalWire Work, which is intended as a remote office alternative. It's a different analogy to like a Zoom, but you log in and you're, you're always on video. And then we have a product aimed at live events, which we're mostly selling through partners, but you know, we're unique in the ability to actually make a live event worth being live and worth experiencing with other people because you actually see and hear the audience just like you would if you were, you know, in a real event. Really? So, I mean, I use a couple of those tools, like, I mean, Zoom today, for example, also Google Meets and Microsoft Teams. So what is the difference then if you, look, if you compare it to those type of tools experience-wise? Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. Again, the I use like a real world analogy because I feel like using SignalWire is kind of like using a piece of real estate. And, you know, like all of our workers meet in a place and there's different rooms and we can see who's there just like in a real office. And, you know, I can see if my partner's meeting with one of our investors. I don't know what they're talking about, but just like if he would have a glass window, I could see that he's in there. I could see he's smiling. I could see he's frustrated. I can have ad hoc conversations like this world we're living in, in the Zoom world where oh, I talked to someone at 11 a.m. and at 11.30, I'm done talking with them and it's through his agenda. That's just not the way people actually work and it's not the way people actually socialize and it's very degrading. I mean, if you demoralizing even if you've lived in that world and that's not the signal wire world where, you know, you pop in, you pop out, you say hi, you're in there just like you were in the office and cool. it sounds weird. We've got a lot of privacy features that make it less weird. But it's something that's really popular. I can talk about a little bit as recently one of our, you've heard of Liberty Mutual, the large insurance company. Yep. They have 300 plus traders that typically deal with trading funds on a, a rapid, low latency basis around their multi-billion dollar fund that underwrites their entire insurance business. Well, you can imagine like logging to Zoom and having like, they're used to being in a pit with all these people and they're yelling across. That just sure. doesn't work. And what, so what we were able to do is work with Liberty Mutual. We give them a 300 person pit where these 
traders basically work like they've been, they're sitting at their home or they're sitting in the Hamptons or wherever they are, but they're speaking aloud and they're having informal conversation and they're yelling across the room and they're breaking out like they would in real life. And, you know, Liberty's looking at deploying across all 30,000 employees because it's working so well. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. So it's providing sort of the virtual edition of the traditional home office experience. Yeah. Without doing the cheesy stuff, like making a, like a cartoon table where all the little cartoon heads are sitting, like none of that, like it's not silly. It's just a tool. It's just a clean tool. Everything we're doing with our tools, we're enabling developers to do. So like, we don't claim that we're going to have the best ideas around the best way, but we know that the world's changing and the current video and audio products that we're left to collaborate with are soul sucking. And what we hope to do is enable the next developers, the next product builders. Hey, you don't have to worry about the technology on the audio video side. SignalWire has that taken care of. I have to just think about interface how creatively interact with people using this new technology and, and make something more, more human than the current options. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very important thing at the end. The new normal is going to be that mix of virtual and likely more virtual than real. So the, the more human we can make it, the, yeah, the, the better it will allow us to just be who we are. So I'm always interested in, you said, well, this is, of course, this is coming from a longer, longer history, the, the open source edition of the software 15 years ago, that becoming the standard, and then you're taking it to, to more of a commercial model. So what I'm always interested in is to see what you did specifically to the product to make it different and to deliver that remarkable, the remarkable value that the company is known for. So were there any specific things that, yeah, I'm talking about X Factor, that gave it an X Factor? And what did well, you do in that process? Right. Specifically, the difference between the open source free switch that we offer and the software as a service signal wire. I don't want to undervalue the open source project. The open source project is super powerful and a lot of gigantic companies use it to process incredible volumes of telecommunications traffic and it works great for them. The problem with free switch, we talked a little bit about it's just difficult because it's C code and technically difficult. But the other problem is scaling that. It's not easy to scale. So once you have one or two physical hardware servers of free switch, like maxing out, it's real difficult to go past that. And it's real difficult to build a global infrastructure that's resilient and that survives uh, latency anomalies and things like that, that people expect when you're talking about high quality voice and video. And so yeah, that's the big problem. And that's what we look to answer in SignalWire is like, look, we take care of that tough stuff. Like we take care of the infrastructure. We take care of all of that. And our goal is to deliver it via super ingestible snippets of code that enterprises and product builders can can use to drive whatever their vision is. Yeah, that's where, what I was on your website. Focus on your D and instead of worrying about developing, scaling, maintaining, and so on. That's the tough part. Like, I mean, I'm sure I grew up in the 90s where, you know, to get a website up, you had to get like a a free BSD server and install Apache and then you had your DNS servers and all that stuff. And now like you can go to Wix, spend like 15 minutes and it's 100 times cooler than anything I could have done in the 90s with with a year's worth of effort. (laughs) So we don't realize it anymore, but what's, what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, it's almost but that like, piece hasn't been done with telecom yet. Like that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to yeah. do the Wix of, of telecom essentially. Yeah. Why did it take so long in telecom then? 
You know, it's got to be competition based because you know these are tr- multi-trillion dollar markets when you think about AT&T and British Telecom and Deutsche Telekom and all these guys that have kind of run the money and run the gamut in the, the telecom world. Well, they don't, you know, their impetus to change is probably not in line with Silicon Valley. And then these guys are probably the worst at software. Like they have all the money in the world, but they're just the absolute worst at writing or innovating on software. And if you're a creative mind in software, if you're a creative software developer and you have a vision like Tony, a vision of how to change the world in telecommunications, are you going to go work for American Telephone and Telegraph? Nope. Probably not. So you, you can kind of see how they get there. Yeah. You can also compare it to what happened in the financial services industry with the tier one banks, with the tier one banking systems. And then the switch they had to move on with getting this, this digital, digital layer on top of it that actually gave their cu- customers more power than they have. Right. It's a completely different world. So you created, you got, yeah, what, what, you, what you mentioned on your website, the software-defined telecom, which is actually also a movement that I see in the automotive industry with cars. You know, that is, cars are always being, of course, typically hardware-oriented. That's exactly what I also see in the telecom business and are now becoming software platforms. That's right. The real innovation in automobiles is, we all know, is going to be yeah. software. Yeah. Where the next, I mean, there's only uh, like batteries maybe, but like batteries and yeah. software. Yeah, true. And how you organize that in the car to give it constantly new updates and make it safer, make it cleaner, give it a better experience and so on. That's where the innovation is going to come from. That's the same in telecom. Do you see that this enables also new competitors in the world that could possibly move out the the, the traditional players, the, the ones that you just mentioned? Absolutely. You've seen it with, you know, guys like Twilio, that can generate $800 million a year on sending text messages, like really sending an SMS. They were able to carve off that big of a bucket for sending an SMS with a simple, you know, they basically create a web server that with a post, you can send an SMS and that's 800 million bucks a year. So talk about the need for, you know, competitors and competitors coming up in the space. I mean, if AT&T had their stuff together, guys like Tulio would have never been born, but they don't. And so it's left up to, you know, innovators like us to come up and ultimately they'll end up using our technology. But you've got to wonder who the giants of the future are in telecommunications. Are they going to be AT&T's or are they going to be the Googles or Microsoft's? Or are they going to be someone like SignalWire or Cisco? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, don't know where it's coming from, but somewhere something will come, and likely from a completely different perspective, with with creative ideas that is going to introduce the next generation of like what become become to, going to become used to. Because what you were just talking about earlier on, to have that environment where you just log in in the morning and you're and you see all your colleagues, rather than having to log in from Zoom call to Zoom call to Zoom call. Yeah, that's I mean, how that's, we live. That's how we live indeed. Yeah, and I would actually like to experience that. <laughs> well, we can we could definitely set you up with service if you want to. Like, you know. put me in the what do you call it in the pit? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we you can't get access to Liberty Mutual because we care about security. And the other thing that you know, a flag while we're talking about differentiators is SignalWire is all browser based, so you don't have to install some software made overseas on your computer and give someone potentially remote access to your camera if you trust. Chrome, if you trust Mozilla Firefox, if you trust your browser, we utilize a technology called WebRTC, which is all standard-based yeah. technology that's in the browser. So logging into SignalWire just means open a browser. 
yeah, how simple can it be, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in that process, the last three, three years, what has been the toughest decision that you've made that appeared to be fundamental in terms of where this is going now? Yeah, I mean, the classic startup decisions, I think, you know, we're essentially a three-year-old funded startup, raised the Series A a year and a half ago, and we're, we're just getting ready talking about doing another round. So a lot of the decisions that affect a startup at this level when resources are sacred are go-to-market decisions because we're technology rich. I mean, we've had this, we've developed technology, our exclusive technology over years. We have, we know we have, you know, some of the best technology in a lot of areas. That's not a concern for us. It is a concern of how do we take our limited resources and actually go after this market when we're dealing with gigantors, we're dealing with even the crappier ones, $800 million a year, Twilio. But on the other side, like, you know, AT&T or Cisco or Microsoft or Google or, you know, all of these guys are gigantors and these are just gigantic markets. So the decisions we've made are that we still think about are how do we utilize the resources? And, and, and that includes strategy. If you're interested, I talk a little bit about how we decided to utilize resources, but yeah, sure. it, it is really interesting. Is it? Okay. So here we are sitting on, you know, undisputable large amount of technology that we can compete in essentially any space we want. If we want to go be Zoom, we could be Zoom. If we want to be a dial pad or an eight by eight, or we can be any of these, we can do all these guys use our stuff. And we recognize that the big challenge is actually building this cloud, global cloud infrastructure to take over whatever AT&T and the dust are going to, you know, 10 years from now, whenever that dust settles, like we want to be that. How do we get there? Well, we're trying to sell software, telecommunications as software. And where are people buying telecommunications as software today? Well, happens to be very unsexy SMS. So we said, hey, why don't we just, Twilio's out there making a bunch of money on SMS. This guy's Message Bird and Vonage, uh, next one. These guys making tons of money, just price gouging people on SMSs. Why don't we go, just go disrupt that a little bit just to get relationships with those customers. So we created a Twilio t- clone in a few months, the syntax clone. So if you're using Twilio, you could just change the word twilio.com to signalwire.com and you're going to save like 90% because we don't, we don't want to make money. It's not our goal to make money off of SMS. We don't think text messaging is the future. It is our goal to get you on our platform because we think that we're going to have cooler stuff to sell you down the line. And so that was, that was our first go-to-market decision. We, we, we decided to go after Twilio head on. We called it the Cut Your Billio campaign. We had Snoop Dogg <laughs> involved. And you know we offered 90% savings over Twilio with no contracts. And that got us like 15,000 Twilio customers. And yeah, it's wow. a very unsexy business. They're using SMS on our platform. Great. Some of them are using voice. Great. But we're getting ready to deliver some real cool voice and video stuff that all these guys are going to want. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's, that's possibly also an example of uh, like what you were telling in the beginning, do the unexpected. They, of course, they are one of the newer breeds and you disrupted them or they democratized their market by just cutting 90% of... <laughs> we called it out. We called it out. Really, they were, they were you know, 4,000% markup on some of, their, some of their products. I mean, and really, like, all they're doing is connecting you to the real carriers. They're just flipping you off to T-Mobile or flipping you off to level three or whatever. They're really not a lot of value. It's kind of like health insurance companies in the United States. Like, what are they really doing besides skimming off the top? And so we just kind of demystified that and said, hey, this is silly. If you want to do the silly stuff, here it is. 
but really we want to talk to you about what you really want to do in the future, what you really want to innovate on. That's what we're going to help you with. And then what did you do? So kind of, you got 50,000 customers from the Twilio platform. They were getting benefits from your service. Likely they get the same, but for a far lesser price. And so I, I, can, I can see a smile on their face. So how do you, yeah. how do you then get to them to use the other parts? That's the challenge. That's kind of the phase we're in right now. So the, the Twilio business is kind of a vending machine for us. It yeah, grew yeah. 500% in 2020 for us. And it's basically yeah. self-service. Like once these guys get on the platform, it's kind of like just set and forget. And so, yeah, that's our challenge as we launch newer products. It's bringing these guys into the environment. But we have a developer ecosystem that we cultivate. We have Slack channels and forums and email digests. And we have technology conferences that we've, we've done virtually the last one, but they, they've been physical over the last 15 years, like technology conferences where we get these developers together. So we have a real ecosystem around building telecommunications applications. It's pretty unique. Yeah. You came from the open source world where community, of course, was a huge factor. I mean, I've had a couple of people on the, from the open source space on my podcast. And actually, one of my customers is a big one themselves. I absolutely see the benefit of having these large communities. So what do you believe is the biggest problem here? Is it, is it kind of crunching out in just enough technology for them to pick up? Or is it more, how do you inspire them to start using it in new and creative ways? It's both, really. It's like we got to make sure that we have the tools that enable them. And that's a big part of what we're concentrating on. But the reason why we actually built B2B products like these SignalWire work and SignalWire events, which you can argue this is not telecommunications infrastructure. This is, this is actual products. The reason we built those is to inspire people. Like you can yeah. do stuff like you haven't played with it yet, but you can, just, you can just do a lot of stuff that you can't do in any other platform. And when they see all the controls, when they see all the functions, you know, we know that's going to inspire people to build things. And it's actually inspired the current events company. We're talking to almost every major online events company right now about converting their current solution, which is almost always horrible or Zoom links or something over to a real integrated collaboration platform. And you know, we got a better mousetrap right now. So, you know, these are, these are active conversations. Well, that's what you see, of course. You know, it's not, I mean, all these offline events, the events were always about, you know, keynotes, people in the audience, and then you go to a room where you drink your coffee and you get to talk to each other. I mean, that keynote component is still there, but that interactive element is completely not there anymore. I have to send you a YouTube. American Cancer Society is working with us. They're doing a bunch of events because they do fundraising act like their, the majority of their fundraising was around physical events where they like, got yeah. people together. Yeah. And so they're really disrupted from their normal fundraising cycles. We've worked with them on a number of events where, yeah, they're actually, they have karaoke. Like they're interacting with their audience. Like they, they ask questions, their audience screams to them. And they, like they brought in like a comedian and the, everyone's laughing and engaging with the comedian. So like those moments, although they're not as good as being in person, they're pretty close. Like they're about as close as you can get to anything out there right now. And it really fills a void. You know, like yeah. some people like this example, some people don't. I think it speaks a little bit to we've done some concerts. You know, we've done we've we've done some, you know, performing artists where the audience is kind of on screen. The performing artists can hear in their monitor the audience's audio, just like they were in the live audience, and they can see a multi-view of the audience, and the audience sees the performer and they see the rest of the audience and they hear the rest of the audience. And you'll get people like 
jumping up and dancing and you saw people like smoking pot in the corner and drinking and have <laughs> it was like a real it's like a real concert like you just don't see that on zoom you just no, true just don't yeah you get a zoom screen with 36 people maybe <laughs> and then you get screen number two yeah right yeah, interesting, fascinating. What it will, what this will uh, will be. Do you also see that that I mean, for, first of all, of course, it's trying to mimic what was there, but do you then also see that this is going to bring additional elements to how we can experience an even better, yeah, even better experience than what it was going to be in offline world or physical? What, world? I mean, we're all we're all striving for that. Like the reality is, we're going to be stuck in some element of this world for a while. Yeah, and man, it's just not fun. And whatever we can do to bridge some of that human to human connection that we're not getting, you know, just the, the better, the better for all of us. And we're doing a small part to try to do that. Yeah. Well, okay. That, that's the interesting part. You know, that's where, yeah, where innovation is coming from is, is having an eye for what, what is possible and then having the right people together to just try things out and see what works. That's, yeah, I mean, what I see your platform is going to be of helping hands. Don't worry about the hard part. Just focus on the idea. So let me see. In this journey that you've been through, you've been to the go-to-markets. If, if you look back three years down the road, would there be anything you would, have, you would do different next time? What have been a key learning factor whereby you say, hey, we tried this, we thought it was the right thing, and it appeared to be something completely different? No, I mean, in this specific instance with SignalWire, I don't think we would take back any specific decision or pathway we've made. If anything, we didn't know COVID was coming, no, obviously, when we started the company. And had we have known that, we would have accelerated probably video stuff before even, maybe maybe we wouldn't have even tried to go after Twilio customers. Probably we would have just been like, okay, we've got the best video stuff. Let's just concentrate on those video APIs. Yeah. It didn't handicap us because we we co-developed it along with our other products because it was always our vision to deliver the next generation of this stuff, but we obviously COVID made us accelerate that. You know, that's why we're able to deliver these products right now and see more work. Yeah. But, you know, if anything, more impetus on just moving fast, like the opportunity, like could not, even though telecom is huge, could not have imagined the paradigm change that was before us. We've been talking about this for so long. I mean, the whole digital transformation discussion has been going on since possibly early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And it's hardly happening in three weeks. <laughs> so it's right. Yeah. All of a sudden everyone's using Zoom. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So what are you most proud of achieving so far? If you look at, for example, customers or initiatives that have started or that came that you keep talking about. Yeah, I think we're pretty humble right now. Obviously, we're proud of the community that we're building. No one is driving developers and listening to developers, engaging with developers in telecom like we are. And that's that's something that the guys work with, you know, worked over years to build organically from a grassroots perspective, something that sure. you couldn't, you couldn't throw a billion dollars at and build the other way around it just doesn't work. And so that's something to really be proud of. And, you know, these guys really built the software that powers the world's communications. That's, that's incredible. I think we're humbled right now because we've got a big challenge in front of us with some big competitors and it's a huge hill, but once we get to it, like we're really going to end up helping people change the world very quickly and, and we're motivated. And obviously this COVID stuff, we're affected by it as everyone else. So we feel like we're on an important mission and everyone at SignalWire is excited about it. 
Well, I mean, that's the whole thing why I started this podcast in the first place. I mean, I'm running a tribe for tech entrepreneurs on a mission. And I see, I, typically I see with the open source community that is so mission driven. And then maybe that's also the reason why it's so successful and why it is it able to, to catch on and that everybody wants to, wants to pitch in and, and contribute to, to something that is not theirs, but it's from us, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where you can create big momentum. And you can see where it's taking it. And yeah, it's about the future of telecoms. And that's what, if you can get enough people to believe in that and to want to contribute to that, you got something really strong in your hands, much stronger than just product. Right. So, I mean, I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect, and it's about the 10 traits that define the software companies that we keep talking about. You've been in this space for quite a long time. And you know, this, this company exists now for three, three years and a couple of months. Before that, you were part of a lot, another organization. What do you believe are essential traits that you need to have to create a software business that people talk about? Well, you have to have a good product. And you know, that seems basic. But in my experience, this is my personal experience and what I've observed from my peers is that building a good product comes down to listening to the customer. Sure. And so the most successful people I've seen in software development is people that don't have the level of just pompousness that think that they know better than the customer or, you know, they may have a vision, but the customer helps drive the product. And, you know, if you can write code and you can listen to the customer, you're probably going to be successful. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I also thought like that word, listen, that's a very important one because very often we listen to answer and that's the wrong, the wrong way to do it. It's to listen, to understand that makes the right people about well, makes you get the right information because a lot of people end up listening to customers and then go away with specs. <laughs> right. Right. That's not the way to do the it. The customer that's will not- tell which way you should drive your product though. They let yeah, you know. True. Yeah, that's true. And then move on with that. So, I mean, your role in the company is a COO, right? Yeah. I kind of wear a lot of hats where, you know, we're okay. yeah, it's a, sp- a small startup. startup. So we all wear a lot of hats. So from the lessons that you've learned over the last three, three years and a bit, and the tidbits of wisdom that you've gained, what are some do's and maybe some don'ts that you would share with peers? I'm trying to think of unique ones that aren't cliche, because a lot of the cliche ones end up being true, like surround yourselves with good people. Sure. You know, I've seen a lot of leaders fail in that regard, where they, one, they either take the burden on doing everything themselves, because they can't put trustworthy people around them, or they... They can't hire people with competence. And I think one of the bigger challenges right away is just, just enabling that. Well, maybe you should, you should kind of connect it back to, your, to the words that you used in the beginning, the X factor and do the unexpected. You've got examples yeah, you, of that. Well, you want examples of in the past of? How, I mean, how, what how would you advise your, well, what would you kind of take away from that trait that you have yourself and how does it helps you to, well, to be successful and how can others possibly learn from that? Yeah, I think, the exercise of the X factor is exercise in breaking away from the pack. And if you're going to really have a wildly successful startup, like, yeah, I mean, you could, you got to break away from the pack. And if you're just buying Google AdWords, like everyone else, if you're just, you know, making the same data sheet and the white paper and you're, you know, you're doing a blog that no one reads, you know, that's the cookie cutter stuff. I personally don't find that it's an accelerant. It's probably the basic stuff you have to do to survive. But yeah, if you exactly. can break away from the pack with ideas that set you apart. And I'll give you, give you a little example. 
back before COVID hit, you know, trade shows were still popular. And there's a number of trade shows in telecommunications like any other service. And if you, I don't know if you've ever been an exhibitor at a trade show, but they price gouge you. They just rake you over. You know, we're here three years ago. We're a small startup. You know, they wanted this one event in Orlando. Wanted, I feel like $60,000 for a 10 by 10 booth. True. And, you know, plus you're paying for the thing. And they were real jerky about it. So we, we said, you know, screw that. We went out and bought a, it was 12,000 bucks. We bought a, a satellite truck. Like, you know, those, those old, or the satellite trucks that the news agencies have with the big yeah. nine foot dishes on them. So we bought a satellite truck. We put a bunch of lights on it. We wrapped it. We drove it down to Florida and we drove it right up to the conference center. I don't remember which one it was. And uh, lights on, you know, orange, white flashing lights. The security people just let us right in. Those gates went up and we pulled right in front of the main entrance and we popped up the nine foot dish signal wire and we put cones around and we sat there for three days. We had more visibility than sure. anyone else in the whole show. I think Zoom paid $500,000 to sponsor that show. We had more visibility than Zoom and we did it with a satellite truck. How cool is that? Yeah, I mean, that is exactly breaking away from the back and find alternative ways to achieve even more. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't afford to 10 by 10 and we would never even get any value out of the 10 by 10. But everyone in that, you know, all 5,000 people that went new signal wire at the end of that event. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And they, they actually visit you twice because when they go and when they, when they come and when they go. Couldn't miss it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Originally, yeah, I mean, I we were going to fly an airplane over top with like, you know, like Surrender Dorothy. We we're going to do like smoke and stuff, but there was a security issue and like flights were grounded. So we ended up doing that. Yeah. No, I mean, I read a really interesting book in 2000 and well, 2020 as part of a, yeah, a work stream that I did. It's called the beautiful constraint. And that sort of gives you that those probing questions, like big aspiration that you want to achieve. And then I, and also connecting, to, connecting it to a big constraint and then finding, finding what you can do. So that's a really good way to kind of break away from the pack from my perspective to come up with ideas that, yeah, that allow you we don't, to possibly do, do even more. And, just, and don't, you don't necessarily have to follow everyone else's rules. Not true. You did nothing illegal there. <laughs> you just no, actually, te technically, we're a telecommunications utility registered with the Federal Communications Commission, FCC. And by California law, we actually have full right of way to any roadway. So just like AT&T can throw their orange light on, we can do that at the same and basically park anywhere we want. <laughs> How cool is that? So, yeah, I like that. And are there any other do's or don'ts that you want to share in relation to this, kind of breaking away from the pack? Because, I mean, it's easier said than done. Yeah, beg for forgiveness. Yeah, that's a good one as well. It's, well, that's exactly what you did. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think I'm just reiterating the same thing, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, beg for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. And just be relentless. I mean, I think of you know, a pit bull or, you know, something that the wheels never stop spinning. Like if your wheels don't stop spinning, then you'll, you'll move at some point, something's going to catch you and keep moving. We, we do that philosophically in a lot of ways that we, we build product and market product. Yeah, that's true. And do it in a way that's, that resonates in a different, well, in, uh, that resonates with people, but then brought in a way that the people will remember as well. I like that. So what is next for you? What is the aspiration that you have with the company and where do you want to be in, let's say, 12 to 18 months' time? Yeah, I mean, we're presently growing at a pretty rapid 
pace. And our challenge is to ride out these growing stages and actually scale the business appropriately. We have incredible demand for our products. So we've got to make sure that we deliver a high quality product over that time. And we continue to have great customer service. So it's a lot of those classic kind of scaling up growing pains that we have to deal with. That said, we have to fight. At some point, we're going to have to engage some gigantic competitors. And so we got we to gotta beef up before that happens. And, and we know, you know, three years from now, Microsoft just started, Microsoft bought MetaSwitch a little while ago. So Microsoft yeah. is posturing towards cloud telecommunications. And if I had to imagine a world three years from now, I, I bet all the large guys are posturing towards cloud telecommunications. Yeah. And so, of course. you know, we got to be able to compete with that. We got to be able to, to exist in that sphere. So we, we've got a lot of work to do over the next, you know, two, three years to beef up. What is one thing that you, that you believe that you should do better, different, more, or to stay ahead of the competition? Yeah, I mean, our challenge is getting our product into the hand of customers. Like, like a lot of companies have this engineering problem or like, yeah. you know, have to build technology. That's not us. We, like, we can do that all day long. And so we're focused on the challenges of enabling, enabling these people that are currently prohibited from getting access to technology in a way that they can digest, that they can, they can build into their products. And it's, it's not trivial. These are complicated things that we're dealing with voice and video and messaging. And yeah, we, we hope people, we hope a world three years from now, like there's thousands of telecommunications applications for every niche. You know, you want a podcast, you want a podcast version of this with the right buttons just for a podcast. Like all of that's going to be possible. Every flavor, you know, for school, for church, for whatever, like all of this is going to be enabled. And I, th- I think we're looking at a, a future that looks like that. Nice. Well, good luck with that. I'll keep following you. Where can people go to find out more about SignalWire and to connect with you to say hi? Yeah, I can go to SignalWire.com, S-I-G-N-A-L-W-I-R-E.com. And if they enter code TON, then they'll get a 30-day evaluation, any of our products, so they can just play with it for a month. I'm going to hook you up with a version so you can play with it yourself. Maybe next time you won't be using Zoom to record your podcast, but I'd be curious to your feedback anyway. I'd love to do that. And I'm going to give you the feedback. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, well, well where, where can people connect to you? What's the best place oh. to do that? Is that LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on the usual social channels. I prefer everyone follow SignalWire that's far more interesting than me personally. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's your advice. It's not my words. But yeah, I want to thank you for this fascinating conversation. I like the story that you're on, the mission that you're on to create the future of telecoms, massive undertaking in a world that is constantly evolving and with some indeed big players coming up. So it's interesting to see how you, how you keep them away. So good luck with that. And I'm really fascinated to understand like where this is taking us. So indeed, yes. what is the next generation of the podcast we're doing here? Yeah, it's a great thank conversation. You. And yeah, I'll follow up because I'm really curious on your feedback. Perfect. Thank you. And this ends my conversation with Sean. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Sean Haney, founder and COO at SingleWire. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, Share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you. 
about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.